scriptures and by uh, our singing of how holy you are. Father, as we come before you this morning, open the eyes of our hearts, open our minds, open our hearts to hear what you want us to hear. You are an awesome God, and we pray today that we can leave here uh, remembering, of how, remembering how great you are, remembering to walk in amazement of you. We may be coming in here distracted, disgruntled, discouraged, uh, distressed, Father. We may be coming in all different forms or fashions. I pray that we leave here today inspired, encouraged, convicted from your scriptures and from our singing to one another, convicted by a conversation or by a hug, just being able to offer to one another. Father, I pray we would leave here closer and closer to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. It's great seeing everybody. If you're here for the first time, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are actually today is a special Sunday because uh, once a month we try to do a picnic after after our church service. And today is our monthly picnic time. And so after church, we want to invite you, if you're here for the first time, to stay and hang out. If you didn't bring food, that's okay. Somebody will have food to offer to you and give to you. You can just hang out with us on the lawn. We have Easy Up, and everybody's going to be hanging out. Uh, if you, you know, We really want to encourage as many as possible to stay back and get some fellowship time and uh, get to meet one another and greet one another and, and spend time together. And every month we do this, and it's an intentional way for our church to uh, really highlight uh, the fact that we want to be family with one another, this is what we value as a church, is we value family, we value one another relationships. And so if you're here for the first time, please stay, please consider staying, even for a few minutes afterwards, come visit us at our connection table outside, you can get a, a, a little gift, uh, just to thank you for joining us and then hang out and actually get some food as well. Um, so anyway, we're really excited about uh, what God has provided for us today. Did you guys notice the weather outside? How awesome it is. I mean, God cleared out the skies, and uh, it's kind of a crisp fall weather. I love it. This is why people pay so much money to live here in Southern California, isn't it? Unbelievable. Uh, we're starting this new uh, sermon series here that's going to take us all the way up to uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, we're going to be, you know, there's, there's over 45 different parables in the Gospels, recorded in the Gospels. We're not going to cover all of them. Uh, we're going to just pick and choose here and there, but I really want us to focus on the master storyteller, Jesus Christ. Uh, last week, we had an incredible time as a region gathering together with churches in the West Side and South Bay, Greater Long Beach, uh, our two Spanish-speaking ministries, all at Maricosta High School. And we had uh, Dr. Ben Barnett from the Atlanta uh, Bridgepoint Church come and speak, and he did an incredible uh, job talking about having courageous conversations uh, in the areas of race and, and, and culture. And so... Uh, one of the things, the biggest thing he talked about was the art of storytelling and how all of us have a story to tell, how all of us uh, have a family of origin story. And this sort of determines the lens from which we view the world and relationships and even God's word and church. And so uh, he talked about his family of origin story and then just talked about how in order to have great relationships, we're going to have to and courageous conversations we're going to have to listen to one another's family of origin story and really learn one another's stories. And, and that will arouse within us compassion for each other and a listening ear and, um, and unity uh, in regards to different, very difficult and tough topics such as uh, racial inequality and racial diversity. Um, as I was thinking about that, I realized, man, you know, the best storyteller is Jesus. Honestly, 
He's a master storyteller. He used stories. Jesus knew something about the human heart that he just knew the human heart understands deeper truths when there's a story attached to it. This is why we go to the movies. It's why we read great books. It's why we watch different programs in order to because there's such we love we love a good a good story. A parable is a story. A parable is a story that illustrates or illuminates a spiritual or moral truth. You know, one of the most famous parables, right, growing up, I don't know if you learned this, but one of the most famous parables growing up is not actually a Jesus parable. It's actually the boy who cried wolf. Everybody know that story? The boy who cried wolf. That's a parable. Just, you guys know what I'm talking about? Boy who cries wolf? Yes? Did your mom or dad tell you about that story? The guy cried, he said, wolf, wolf, and there's no wolf. And the third time he cried, wolf, wolf, there was actually a wolf and nobody came. Because, and what's the lesson? Don't lie. Don't be deceitful. Um, even as I say that, that boy cries, wolf, I mean, we all know that reference, right? And so Jesus, in a very similar fashion, took current situations or current events or different things that were happening right around him and used that to be able to describe spiritual realities. The most challenging audience that Jesus had as he, um, as he was uh, approaching, uh, you know, doing his ministry, uh, the most challenging audience that he had were these people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were these religious leaders who were so hard-hearted and prideful and arrogant it was very, and self-righteous. It was very difficult for them to uh, uh, listen to Jesus. And so they always tried to catch him off guard or ask him questions to get him distracted and And Jesus, if you actually read through the Gospels, you realize that Jesus at some point kind of, he uses parables, but he makes a shift in his teaching where in the beginning, like if you read the book of Matthew, you read Matthew 1 through uh, 11 or 12, and there's a lot of stuff happening where Jesus speaks truth. He speaks, uh, you know, he speaks sentences and, and statements of truth. Uh, without illustrating it with a story too much. He uses word pictures here and there, but there's so much opposition to what he's teaching from the Pharisees that he's, he makes a shift in Matthew 13, and he starts using stories. If you read Matthew 13, 14, 15, you kind of, you kind of realize how much Jesus uses the, the, the venue of the parable to make his truth known. Now, we're going to read Matthew 13. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 13. And... I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 13. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please find somebody that does and get close to them. We're not going to post this, the, the scriptures on the slide too much here. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 10. We're going to read a parable in Matthew 13, but in the middle of this parable, Jesus describes why he teaches in parables. And I want this to sort of set the framework for the rest of our series here the next few weeks. Matthew 13, verse 10 says, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Talking about the the Pharisees and religious leaders. Whoever Whoever has will be given more, verse 12, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. 
They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus uses an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah to make his point. He says, you know, although parables clarify truth for those with, quote, he says, ears to hear, they also have an opposite effect on those who oppose and reject Jesus. The symbolism within the parable hides the truth from anyone without the discipline or the desire to seek out Christ's meaning. In other words, it was a judgment on those who have hardened hearts, that those who see but do not see, those who hear but do not understand. This whole phrase he uses, ears to hear, is actually something we talked about a few months ago when we did a whole series out of the book of Deuteronomy. Ears to hear goes back to this, this idea that the, the, the Jewish, the Hebrew word there being shema, to listen, to hear with your heart, with understanding, not for information's sake, but for receptivity and understanding and connection with what is being spoken to you. And so over and over again in, um, in, the, in the Old Testament, God would tell his people, the Israelites, hear, O Israel, listen to me, hear with your heart, Shema. Though, and so Jesus sort of takes that and in, his, in this statement is basically saying, though, if you have ears to hear, you'll hear me. You'll understand what I'm saying. Jesus uses parables to reveal truth to those who are humble enough to hear it and to discern, but also to hide truths from those who are unable or unwilling to learn from Jesus. Although, at the end of this prophecy, there's still mercy on his part. Look what he says in verse 15. Understand with their hearts. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their eyes, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. In other words, this is Jesus' desire across the board but many, to, to, to heal, to, to, to be there. But many times, those in his audience were unwilling and stubborn and unbelieving. Do you think there's a message in here for us today about that? Do you think there's a message in here about how we approach Jesus' teachings and Jesus' parables? What's the condition of our hearts? Will we see but really not see? Will we hear but really not hear and understand? Will we approach Jesus' teachings with humility and faith or with skepticism and doubt? Will we try to argue our point with Jesus or read our experiences into what he is saying and in this way water down what he's actually trying to tell you? Is there a message in here for us, brothers and sisters? Brothers and sisters, is there a message in here for us? Absolutely. Is this not the condition of our society to argue the point? To read our experiences into it. To allow our opinions to supersede the teaching. To not believe. To doubt more. To have a closed heart. So Jesus, today and throughout this 
as we study the parables, is telling us, those who have ears will hear. Those who have the eyes to see will see. And it comes down to the condition of your heart. And so, we get into the first parable. You guys ready? Verse 3. Matthew 13, verse 3. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up and birds came. Uh, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And again, he says in verse nine, "Whoever has ears, let them hear." Shema, what I'm telling you. Let's see how your heart receives what I have to say. Jesus, picture this. I mean, he's probably walking with a bunch of people. They're outdoors. They see some farmland. And, some, and he kind of takes whatever's around him and says, you know what? Here's, what? here's what it's like. A farmer scatters the seed. A couple of, think about this. There's nothing, nothing in the parable that is said about the sower and his skill. There's nothing in the parable that tells us about his methods and his approach. Has, has nothing to do with the sower. Has everything to do with the condition of the soil. Nothing is said about the quality of the seed. In other words, the seed, it all comes from the same source. The same seed that bears the fruit is the same seed that gets choked out. It's all the condition of the soil. The lesson Jesus is teaching us is all about the soil. He stresses the need to pay attention, to listen with a believing heart, and to look beyond the surface for true meaning, true understanding. Listen then to what the parable, verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. In other words, the bottom line is a person's response to the word of God is dependent on the condition of that person's heart. And the evidence is not a smile on your face. It's not a jumping up for joy. The evidence is in the fruit of that person's life. The fruit of that person's life is, is, is what tells you how they have received and understood God's word. So, you got the path. You got the seeds scattered along the path. There's so much 
This person's heart, there's so much sin and hardening of the heart that this person can't even have an open mind or discussion about what Jesus' words would mean to them. They're stiff-necked, stubborn, prideful, indifferent, apathetic, full of apathy towards Jesus and his words. We know people like this. In fact, there might be some people in here like this this morning. Proverbs 18 tells this person, tells, talks about this person. Proverbs 18, verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. How many fools do we know on Facebook? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, how, how, how many, seriously though, how many foolish arguments and conversations do we get into because we're just trying to air our own opinions? They seek no understanding. They hear it, but just can't believe or have faith. The sin that they have in their life has hardened the heart so much. The seed still fell on that heart, though. They still listened to it. And the devil reacts quickly in the condition of this person's heart. How? Through deceit, false teaching, right? The, uh, the devil, it says, Jesus talks about the devil is the father of lies. Through deceit, false teaching, gets us involved in useless arguments and myths and splitting hairs over verses. So much so that the person's mind is diverted away from the truth of the word of God and the devil snatches the seed away. You know what's interesting about Jesus' audience? I don't believe he was necessarily talking, he was necessarily describing atheists. You know, an atheist is one who doesn't believe in God, right? And claims, and there are some who are hardcore, like preaching atheism, right? I don't think Jesus was necessarily referring to them because think about who his, who's in his audience. Who are the ones who had the hardest of hearts in his audience? It was the religious leaders of his society. It was the men who were asking him questions, trying to split hairs about the Sabbath day and the Sabbath rule and the tithe and all these different laws. Those were the guys, the guys who memorized the Old Testament, who did not have the heart to perceive the truths that Jesus was speaking of. Is there a warning in here for us? Absolutely. Let's be very careful with the condition of our hearts, that we would get so hardened that we would not be able to even understand the simple truth that Jesus is trying to display and talk about, even within this parable. The rocky soil. No root. This person is excited and emotional about the decision to follow the word of God and try to be a Christian, but they never grow and they're always weak. And no wonder when life gets tough, it says here they fall away. Jesus knew the condition of our hearts. He knew that not everyone would accept his calling to self-denial, sacrifice, hard work, discipline. It's not about the feeling, the emotion, but many of us have been here before, have we not? Oh, I just don't feel it anymore. Whenever you get to a point where you start saying, I just don't know if I feel it anymore, that's a scary point to be in. Because you've got to ask yourself then, what are you grounded in? 
What are you rooted in? Your feeling, your emotion, or in Jesus' truth? Truth doesn't require too much emotion. It's just truth. Now, does it feel good to feel good? Yes. And to have emotion? Yes. And you hear that song and you're like, I'm finally connected to God. Yes. That's all good and great. But even in the moments where you hear that song and you're not connecting, I don't feel it. Once you get to that point, let me tell you something. Be very careful. And then ask yourself, what am I really grounded in? What am I really rooted in? Think about how many decisions in our lives have been made based on feeling that actually cause more destruction and harm than any good in-the-moment feeling. It talks about here that persecution and trials, trouble, come in because of the word and following the word and obeying the word and is the condition of our heart ready for that kind of being rejected and neglected? Are we ready for persecution? If it's superficial, rootless, heartless faith, no matter how enthusiastic the response may have seemed in the beginning, that person will fall away. Meaning they will abandon the faith completely. Church, how are your roots? What is keeping you grounded? When I became a Christian, this was my fear. My fear, and I was, it was interesting, uh, this morning I was having a, a, just a conversation with my oldest daughter, Bella. And it's funny, she, every Sunday she asks me, so what are you preaching about today, Dad? And so I'll end up, you know, kind of reading her the story or, or, or the scriptures that we're going to end up carrying my little quiet time. And so I was sharing her this morning, you know, about this parable. And we read it together. And she's so funny. She asked me, so which one is you, Dad? And um, I was like, let's talk about you, girl. Um, No, but it was really good because I got to share with her. You know, when I first became a Christian, my fear, and I had read this parable, my fear was that that I I was very excited about my faith. I was I was very I I was very excited and joyful, and mostly, and I, I did love God, but I really loved the church. And I had a lot of great friends in the church. And the church was my family. I had spiritual aunties and uncles and granddaddies and grandmoms. And you know what I'm saying? In the church. I loved the church. And I told my daughter this morning, I was like, you know, I, I was like this rocky soil. My fear was that I was going to be like this rocky soil that my, after, after, uh, after a few years of being in the church and being a Christian, I realized, wow, this really comes down to me and God, huh? Because my friends failed me, this friend left, that friend left, this hero in the faith that I admired left, gave up. My teen leader gave up in the middle of my high school years, fell away. And it's sort of like God taught me a lesson like, are you in this for me, dude? Where are your roots? Are you rooted in Christ or in that feeling or in those relationships? 
A person's expression or lack of expression in receiving God's word is not what we should be looking for. Man, this, this, this woman is really excited about God's word. This, bro, this man that I'm studying the Bible with is really, he's really joyful, really going after it. Don't look at the expression or lack of expression. Look for the fruit in that person's life. Are they bearing fruit with their life? Is God's word having an impact to where they're changing their lives, their actions, the way they speak, the way they perceive the world around them? What are you rooted in? How many people have we known that said, yeah, I became a Christian, I got baptized, yay, only to two months later receive a challenge from God's word or from their discipling mentor and say, I don't know if you really love me. I don't know if the church is loved. I don't know if the church, I I feel unloved by the church. And because I feel unloved by the church, I feel unloved by God. And therefore, I'm not coming back anymore. I've known many people like that. But the seed is still scattered. The seed is still scattered by the sower. And it falls on this soil. And Jesus allows it to happen. To confront a reality. Will we be rooted in Christ and in his word and his truth? Or will we be rooted in our emotion, in our feeling, or a friend? You guys follow me here? The soil with thorns, choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. In Mark 4, I think in Matthew 13, it also talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. I honestly believe this is where most of us can get to and relate to. In fact, this morning I was told that to my daughter. I said, you know, I started off thinking I was going to be rocky soil or like struggling with being having no root. Now I told her, I said, I was honest, as a dad, as your daddy now, I feel more like this. Like my life can get, I can get so worried about not having enough money for this or that or paying that or I have four children. I don't even know if they're going to make, if we're going to, you know, how we're going to do college, you know, and we get in these conversations. I'm going to be working for the rest of my life. Let's just say that. Like uh, we, we get in these, but Marina, we, you know, we, I get in these conversations and I listen to everybody else's financial plans and, and all their different things that they're trying to do. And not just in the church, but outside. And you're just, you get worried. You get discouraged. You get distracted. It's an interesting thing about this soil. The soil here is not shallow, like the, like the rocky soil. The rocky soil has some soil on it, but underneath there's rock, there's limestone. They can't, they, it can't develop roots. Does that make sense? The, the, the thorny soil, the soil is, is, is well plowed. It's prepared for the seed, but there are many impurities in the soil, and this person is too in love with the world. First John, the Apostle John tells us, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. But for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This person's concerns are of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, leisure, financial means, the wealth, 
the deceitfulness of it. So, so many of us become deceived that if we just had more money, life's issues would be resolved. There's, a, there's an honest, subtle truth to that. Many of us have bought into the American lie that if you had just a little bit more, you will be okay. Whether you're a Christian or not, we've bought into this. And it's a lie. It's the deceitfulness of wealth. Biggie Smalls was right. Mo money, mo problems. He was right. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Last night we were, our small group, um, the couples in our small group, we got to go on a group date. And we went out on a Duffy boat ride out in like the Naples area and we're riding around and I mean those houses are incredible. And we started like, hey, how much do you think this would cost? You know, we're starting to like guess and, and then we Google it and it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know. And we just had a great time. Now, now, mind you, all of us are parents of children under the age of like eight or nine. And so we were all exhausted coming into this date night. And we just kind of, but it was very relaxing and very a great, a great time together. But, but we started looking at all these houses and just, you just become amazed. But how many men and women in those neighborhoods have maybe pierced themselves with many griefs just to keep up that level of living? Do you guys follow me on that? You know what's interesting about the thorny soil, again, is that the plant, the, there's a plant there. There are roots there. The one with the rocky soil says that it withers. It dies and withers. This one doesn't say that it dies and withers. It just says it becomes unfruitful. It doesn't mature. It doesn't die and wither. It just is unfruitful. I've read this many times, and this idea, it, 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 it hits me when I read this now about the idea of being unfruitful or immature. This is a person that comes to small group, that comes to church, that is involved in some kind of one another relationship, and yet they're immature. They're not growing anymore. The outward is stale. There's no fruit. There's no productivity. They're still struggling with the same sin that they struggled with 30 years ago when they became a Christian. They're still as angry as they were when they were, you know, first became a Christian 15 years ago. They're still angry person. Or a worried or anxious person. There's not growth, right? You, you know a person is fruitful and growing when you see their lives transforming and changing and becoming different. Wow, that person's really gentle. That guy that used to yell at his wife is the most gentle guy I've seen. That woman who used to 
worry about every single thing. She's the most reliant on God. Wow, what a faithful woman. That guy was so arrogant and prideful. But look at his humility. How many feet he's washing? That's incredible. You see what I'm saying? The thorny soil chokes us. The deceitfulness of wealth and money chokes us to where there's no fruit, there's no productivity. John 15 talks about Jesus' disciples bearing much fruit to his glory. Soil that produces no crop is of no value. Think about that. Soil that produces no crop is of no value. One of my biggest fears in my own walk with God is that I stop growing and that I get choked out by life's worries. Can I encourage you and challenge the church? Let's not get choked out. As I'm raising my kids and living that kind of suburban life, wanting to keep up with the comforts and stabilities and security of what I see around me, I want to be careful and not get choked out by it. This is all, this can all go in a second. And then, will I be faithful? Let me challenge you, college students. Let me challenge you, teenager. Don't let life's worries get to you where it chokes you out. I knew a teenager one time who decided to give up his whole faith in God because he didn't have enough money for shoes and for the things that he wanted. He literally told me, he's like, Reuben, I feel like if I had more money, my life's problems and worries would all resolve itself because his parents were going through financial hardship and trouble during that time. He literally told this is a 17-year-old. And he gave up all of his faith, all of his future faith in God and trust in God simply because he needed more money. I'm telling you, money does something weird to us. Thank God Jesus talks a lot about it, and we're going to be doing some parables on it in the, few, in the next few weeks. I believe, I do believe that there are many of us who are deceived by this. You know, recently... Our uh, Steve and Jackie Marici, who lead the South Bay Church and oversee the region, the coastal LA region, they went to the Middle East uh, to, start, to be out with the church in, in Beirut, Lebanon. And, you know, our brothers and sisters, I mean, I think Greg Cruz shared about it a few weeks ago. He went to the conference in the Middle East. And, and they, um, uh, our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, they undergo incredible hardship and persecution. It's illegal in, in many of these countries to be a Christian. And, and yet, they're remaining faithful. They're, they're striving for faithfulness. And Steve was telling me that one of the interactions that he, that he overheard hap, happening between two disciples is the American disciple, I think, believe from the northwest in Seattle area, was telling them, man, I can't, I'm so inspired by your faith. How do you stay faithful in such a difficult uh, area of the world? And the response of this Middle East disciple was, how do you stay faithful? with all your comfort and leisure. Let that sink in, American Christian. Are you staying faithful with the amount of comfort that we have here? I could go on and on about this, but I'm going to keep on moving on. Good soil. The good and fruitful soil. Jesus finishes out by talking about a heart that is noble, that hears the word, that retains it, that with perseverance produces a crop. 
in, uh, in Luke 8, in the English Standard Version, it says here, As for that in the good soil, uh, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit, I love that, with patience. They bear fruit with patience. You know, one of the marks of a heart prepared for Jesus' word is that of endurance and perseverance. That when trouble comes or confusion distracts, will you give up or will you persevere? It's interesting to me that there is an expectation from Jesus that those who follow him would be productive and bear fruits. Matthew 7 talks about by their fruit you will recognize them. John 15 talks about remaining Christ and you will bear much fruits. But this happens when we persevere, when we don't give up, when, con- when we continue fighting for our faith with great patience. Here's the deal. I don't know where you stand today and how you are even receiving this word at this moment. I do know, though, that Jesus, through this simple parable, gives us several warnings about the condition of our hearts. Some will leave today and Satan will come and snatch it away and nothing will change. Some will hear this message today and be so excited and joyful, but will quickly fall away because of not being rooted in Christ, but instead being rooted in your own emotion or in a friendship or in a relationship. Some are listening and hearing and still you're still around, but you're not maturing. You're not growing because you're being choked out by life's worries and the deceitfulness of wealth. And some here will hear and continue persevering and retain the word and over time produce a crop a hundred, sixty, thirty times that of what was sown. I know for myself, the temptation to get choked out is a big one. I need I want to strive to grow and mature in Christ, to prioritize Christ. It's a daily decision. It's a choice to be open to his words, to be open with those around me, to pray with an open heart, to to have a deep trust and surrender and faith in him. It's a daily choice. It's not an emotion. It's based on the truth of Jesus Christ. Your move. We are a church that wants to move people towards Christ, so we always end that with, okay, what's, what's my step? What's a step I can take? I'm going to give you three steps. One, evaluate. I want to challenge us today to evaluate what soil is your heart. Where is your heart right now? Where has it been? Maybe not where is it right now, but where has it been the past couple weeks? Are you leaning towards the thorns? Are you leaning towards the rocks? Are you leaning towards just having a hard heart because of sin? Are you leaning towards a good soil and maturing in Christ? Like you're just like, yes, I'm doing well. That's totally fine. Don't be like, I'm, I don't want to sound prideful, but I'm actually doing pretty well. That's okay. If you're doing well, praise God. If you're on that good soil track, praise God. But I want you to take some time. We're going to take communion. I want you to take some bread. And uh, I want you, we're going to take the bread and the wine, the wine, I'm sorry, the the juice. We're going to do it separately. When we take the the bread, I'm going to say a prayer. 
And I want to take some time in silence without any music playing or anything like that. And I want you to evaluate, where's my, what's the condition of my heart? And as you evaluate, I want you to listen. I want you to hear Shema with your heart. Understand with your heart. Don't shut out what Jesus is telling you and warning you. Listen. Listen. Those who, whomever has ears to hear, let them hear. If you're here for the first time, if you're here, you've been coming to church for a while now, and you haven't made a decision to, to really give your whole heart to faith and to following Jesus, I want to challenge you. Listen to what Jesus is trying to tell you. What is the condition of your heart? Are you developing roots? Is it shallow? Is it being choked out? Is sin hardening your heart? Or are you watering it to become a good soil? Listen to what Jesus is saying and decide. Make a decision today to take a step to change, to heed the warnings of the master storyteller. To listen to him, to heed him, and be different. In our picnic today, if you feel like you need to get open about a sin, if you need to get open about a temptation, if you feel like you need to get real about where you've been at in the condition of your heart with somebody, do it. Don't waste your time, you know, playing volleyball and talking about surfacey things. Get with that brother. Get with that sister. Sit down and say, hey, I have been, I'm, I'm being choked out right now by life worries. Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me this week? I realize that I'm on the verge of leaving everything because I don't feel it anymore. And I don't want to be there. I want to trust the word. I want to trust the truth of God. Help me. Make a decision. If I can have the ushers come down with the bread, just the bread only. We're going to do bread first. Let's go ahead and start passing the trays with the bread. Everybody take a piece of bread. We're going to pray for communion right now, and then I want to take, a, take some moments of silence just to pray, just to evaluate and listen to what Jesus is trying to tell you. Jesus, again, he says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus wants us to hear and understand with our hearts. His desire is to heal us. We're going to take the bread and pray for our hearts to hear what he is speaking to us. He died that we may have this opportunity to understand with our hearts, to turn, repent, and receive his healing. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to remember Jesus Christ, the master storyteller. 
As we take the bread, pray that we would heed his warning. Evaluate our hearts. What has been the condition of our hearts recently? Father, I pray that we would turn, that we would make decisions to repent, that we would desire to be the good soil. It doesn't happen overnight. Some of us will need more help than others. Father, I pray with all my heart that we would trust you. We would heed, hear, listen with our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.